Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming. There's a lot of places you could be, and I'm glad you're here with us. We, uh, wasn't that a good time of worship? I enjoyed that. <laughs> I kind of want to do that again. You know, they're recorded. We could just start it over. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, there's a lot of things I want to, uh, I want to cover uh, this morning, and so I don't want to take too much time, but um, let's just pray together. I'm not going to speak for very long. We, uh, this, we do this once a month. Every second Sunday, we gather here, and then on a weekly basis, Go Church Beirut um, meets in groups, and some of you are part of those groups. Some of you are not. And if you're not part of a group, if you think, am I part of a group? I don't know the answer to that. Well, you can, get, you can know the answer by visiting our Next Steps banner. Um, and Rafi and Patricia and some of the team will be out there to help you and answer questions. But let's just pray this morning and, and let's release our faith that we cover those things that the Lord would have for us today. Amen? Hallelujah. I think he wants that. So we can pray according to his will today. If we know, we know if we pray according to his will, then he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Antoine, we know we have what we asked for, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, in Jesus' name, we look to you today. We are thankful for the opportunity to open up your precious word. Your word is light and life to us. Lord, I thank you for what we've already experienced of your presence. And I ask that we not just be hearers and spectators, but doers of your word today in Jesus' name. We pull on and draw on the grace that you have made available for us as a church family to come up to a new and higher level. And we thank you, Lord, for working with your word to confirm your word with signs following. Thank you, Father, for miracles, signs, and wonders that are throughout the Go Church family. Get glory to yourself in us today and all week in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been a busy week. How many of you had a rude way to wake up earlier this week? <laughs> on, uh, on Monday, Monday morning... I woke up and, you know, I went to bed. It was storming. My wife uh, is in, uh, in the United States uh, with our kids because um, they had to have their wisdom teeth out. I'm actually flying today, uh, later today, to join them. And I'll, we'll be back here for our second Sunday in March. So it was just me and Taco, our French bulldog. And uh, I woke up and I heard everything shaking. And I thought, Taco, what are you doing? So I get up, I sit up in bed, and I look at Taco, and Taco's looking at me. Taco said, we need a plan. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, I, said, I said, well, we'll be fine in Jesus' name. And I just laid back down, started to go back to sleep. House still shaking, doors are shaking. And then I thought, oh, I should probably message other people and make sure they're okay. <laughs> Full disclosure, <laughs> I did actually go back, start to go back to sleep. And thank God everyone was fine, everyone was okay. But uh, our friends in, uh, in Turkey, and we have uh, friends uh, in Syria, they can't say the same thing. And it's, uh, it's a terrible tragedy. 
And so when these things happen, sometimes this question comes up, why? And as I was, I was praying about this today, uh, this week and getting ready for today, I've, I felt like this is really outside of the scope of our message. Um, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but I wanted to deal with this for just a moment. So this is a verse from Luke. This is Jesus speaking. And uh, I want us to, to just look at this for a moment. Luke chapter 13, it's on, there on the screen. It says, there were some present at that very time who told him, that's Jesus. So people came to Jesus and told him about this. Hey, Jesus, I don't know if you saw the news this morning, but this happened. Told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, which is a poetic scriptural way to say, to describe a, a terrible tragedy. Uh, and this tragedy was uh, people that were in worship, and uh, in this case, Roman soldiers came and just murdered them. So they're telling Jesus about this. You can kind of imagine this news, right? Haram, right? This is, this is a tragedy. And Jesus' response, he says, he answered them, which is interesting because they didn't really ask a question. But in the news reporting, there was a question. And he answered the question. What was the question? Why? Why did this happen? He said, this is Jesus, he says, do you think those Galileans that were killed were worse sinners than the other Galileans who were not killed because they suffered in this way. When these tragedies, when we see tragedies, this question pops up. And as soon as the question pops up, what also starts to pop up are possible answers. And so Jesus attacks this idea and he says, do you think it's because they were bad people and God judged them? Verse 3, no. Jesus said, no. So that, hey, here's this terrible tragedy that happened. Jesus says, do you think the reason why is because they deserved it? And then Jesus answers the question, no. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will, you will likewise all perish. Well, that's not good. No one has this verse written on their refrigerator. Verse 4, Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others? So now Jesus introduces another recent tragedy and brings it up and asks the question. And then the answer, no. And then he says, I tell you likewise, unless you repent, you'll also perish. Oh, like in, it is God judging people. 
Não. Não. And we can talk more about this in our groups, but the thing that you need to get yourself firmly established in is the love of God. The love of God will correct so much bad theology. I'll tell you, I'm so thankful for the way I grew up. <laughs> I was thinking about this this week. I'm so thankful to my parents. Because the one thing that got drilled into me is God loves me and he is for me. But as I was thinking about this, you know, we are uh, actively helping and supporting as much as we can uh, the affected families that we know. But I thought, you know, there's a lot of people whose lives look like the buildings we see on the news. I know a guy right now that his, he's going through something. You don't know him. <laughs> don't try to figure out who I'm talking about. But he's going through something, and the earthquake isn't over for him. It's still shaking. His whole life is shaking. But you could walk past him, you wouldn't even know it. So what is it, Jesus, what is it that we're supposed to repent from? How about repent from judging from the outside? You don't qualify to judge. You don't know enough. I don't know enough. That's why Jesus told us not to judge. And when we see tragedy, when we recognize tragedy, our position and response is not figure out why. It's put our hands up and help. Pastor Matt and Julie are not with us today, but um, you know they lead a missions organization in addition to being the senior pastors of Go Church and the global pastors of Go Church Global. And they launched on Monday a new campaign to help uh, victims in Turkey. We are closely associated with a family that lives in Antioch. And um, so they began working on that. And I have, uh, actually, this is already old, but just this week, um, we were able to raise uh, these funds. These funds, will, 100% of this will go right to help uh, and rebuild uh, affected areas through the church that we're associated with there. Rather than trying to figure out why, let's get busy with what. And let's not only focus on the tragedies that get reported on the news, but be sensitive to the people whose lives are shaking all around us and be ready to help them. You know what that is? That's loving like Jesus. Living like Jesus means loving like Jesus. And, you know, Roy made the comment... By the way, we're, uh, we're not very good at saying our names. This is Roy. <laughs> His wife, Melissa, did the welcome. My name's Matt. Uh, Philip led us all in communion. That was amazing. Thank you, sir. 
And uh, Gilbert is, of course, uh, helping us with worship and the whole team. And now I've already excluded people and not said their names. But we should introduce ourselves. My name's Matt. <laughs> it's really easy here because uh, Pastor Matt and Julie, my wife's name is Julie. I'm, my name's Matt. So if you stay around, we'll probably make you change your name. But uh, Roy made the comment about raising the bar. That actually refers to a discussion that he and I had when we recorded our podcast every Sunday, including today, we release a new uh, podcast episode that relates to this message. And the goal with these podcasts is really to go into more detail than we can do here in, in this gathering. And also it prepares you to really participate in our grow groups. And grow groups are the center of Go Church life. Because that's where we grow together. In our groups, we want to emphasize care for one another. And we can do that so much better than when we're all sitting in rows with bright lights looking one, one direction. I thank God for these gatherings, and they're important. But grow groups are where we can grow together. So let's look at this. Jesus said... If you actually take the time to go through and look at some of the things Jesus said about love, it's very challenging. And I didn't, uh, we, won't, we won't go to what he said in, in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew 6 about your enemies. But he makes a comment here where he says, I am the standard. Now, John the Apostle wrote, we don't really know what love is unless we see what Jesus did for us. So Jesus actually provides us the definition and example for what love really is. And here Jesus said, a new suggestion I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you should try to love one another. Is that right? Did I read that right? No? Oh, oh, it's on the screen. A new command. What's a command? That doesn't sound very optional. A new command I give you, love one another. How? Like I, Jesus, he's saying, this is Jesus talking. He says, you love others the way I have loved you, so you must love one another. That phrase, one another, is all throughout Scripture. 46 specific commands to believers about what to do with one another. 481 times this is a theme repeated throughout Scripture. Others. Not me. If you look up uh, Roy on um, WhatsApp, it says, I'm second. That's his little status. <laughs> Focused on others. Jesus sets the bar and he says, love others like me. So how does Jesus love? 
There's three things that we could say. Jesus loves the unlovable. How many of you are glad he does? If you're very honest with yourself, you should be. Because <laughs> I qualify. Jesus loves irrationally. If you don't know what that word means, we'll talk about it in just a moment. And then Jesus loves in community. Throughout the scripture, you can't really find examples of, um, forgive the American expression, lone rangers. People that work in isolation, that go off by themselves. In the New Testament especially, it's all about community. That's why we do everything in groups and gatherings and teams. Because we want to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus loves the unlovable. I thank God for that. And I want to look at this verse in Luke chapter 5. Luke, by the way, is not one of the original 12 disciples. He was a companion of Paul and had a medical degree. Now, I don't know what kind of medical degree in the first century, but he was labeled or called a physician. And it's funny that that comes through in his writing where he, because where, this, this account is actually recorded in uh, Matthew, for example, but it just says that this person had leprosy. But in Luke 5, he says, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Let's think about this for just a moment. Jesus loves the unlovable. I'm supposed to, in fact, I'm commanded to love like Jesus, which means I need to love the unlovable. Jesus is going through a town and comes to a man covered in leprosy. What do we know about leprosy? Thank God it's no longer the plague that it was. But we know it was highly contagious. And we also know that it caused a, here's a big word, necrosis. It caused a, uh, the, the outer flesh to begin to die. And it actually killed the person from the outside in, which is really bad. What happens when things die? They begin to stink, right? If you ever walked into a garage or something and there was a dead animal, you recognize it by the smell. But a leprous person has that death on them everywhere. And this leprous man would have been excluded from society and living on his own outside of society and forced to, most of them lived around dumps, trash piles, surviving as best they could. The uh, NLT says, a man with an advanced case of leprosy. 
Not just one or two spots. This guy's in bad shape. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So the leper had some bit of information about Jesus. He knew Jesus was able, but he wasn't sure about willingness. But he'd come to a place where, of desperation, he'd come to a place where he didn't care anymore about the law or about his, the social requirements for him to be distant. And he comes directly to Jesus and he falls down. And if you see this on the chosen, which I love, or you see this depicted in, in dramatic presentations, it's a guy in dirty rags and he comes up and you're watching it at home on the couch eating popcorn or Melissa and I would just be sobbing. She also cries a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Melissa. <laughs> but the thing is, Television doesn't tell us how bad it smells or how bad it really looks because it's just an actor. But here's a couple of actual photographs of people with advanced leprosy. Now, I stopped short of asking the ushers to pass around jars filled with terrible smells. <laughs> It's really bad. It's terrible. Think about this person covered in leprosy, dying from the outside in, shut off from society, closed. The law said he's supposed to, when he sees someone, he's supposed to shout, I am unclean. How many times can you do that without affecting your psychology? What would that do to a person? We only know that his case was advanced. I don't know how long he had lived with it. But it was more than a weekend. And he finds out about Jesus and he comes... And he throws himself down in front of Jesus and says, I know you can if you will. <laughs> you know what he did? Do you know what he did? He didn't just heal him. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Do you see where that description is in relation to the leper's healing? Thank God, Jesus is the healer. And forever, he settled his will about healing here. Because if he was willing for that man, he's willing for you. But even before, even before he was healed... So while he was still full of leprosy, Jesus touched him. No one touched him. It's like the one rule. Don't touch lepers. 
Jesus said, come here. In fact, if you just spend a little time there in Luke 5 and you see the scene play out, the leper, full of smelling death, unlovable, unclean, comes and throws himself down in front of Jesus. If Jesus is as tall as me, how am I going to reach down? I've got to get down and touch him. Jesus got down to where he was. How does Jesus love? He loves the unlovable. How does it look like to love the unlovable? You get down where they are. It doesn't matter how bad they smell. It doesn't matter how bad they look. Because well people, this is what some Jesus said, well people don't need doctors. How does Jesus love? He loves the unlovable by touching the untouchable. And he doesn't say, you come up to my level. You get yourself all cleaned up. Get yourself all cleaned up, get your life straight, and you come to me. He got down to them. He went down to that man where he was and touched him. Man, when Jesus touches, there's a change. Amen. Jesus touched and changed. In just a moment, Rafi's going to give you an opportunity to just be like the leper. Say, hey, spots and all, I know you can do amazing things if you will. Jesus, he wants to. And he doesn't need you to wait. He doesn't need you to get clean first. He's ready to touch. But that word irrational, I want to talk about that for just a moment. Jesus loves irrationally. What does irrational mean? Not logical or reasonable. We just saw that, right? Think about that. It's not logical to touch a leper. But James tells us there's a difference between the wisdom that is here and the wisdom that's from heaven. If you love like Jesus... It will make you look naive to the world. I was talking to someone once, and they said, we were talking about walking in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love keeps no record of wrong done to it. And this person said, yes, but if I don't do that, people will take advantage of me. If we love like Jesus, it'll make the world think we're just naive. 
But 1 Corinthians 13 says that love never fails. How many times is never? Not even once. Love not even once fails. That means if I turn the love of God loose in my life, in my situation, I cannot fail. Because the love of God never fails. Love, the love like Jesus, it's irrational. It's not logical or reasonable if you measure it by human standards. It's a great example of this, I think. It just stands out to me. In John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Uh, what is that? Verse 15. The Bible says, Jesus said to her, Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? It doesn't take very long to read John chapter 20. But I like looking at things like as it happened. Mary, who had been gloriously delivered from a terrible life by Jesus, was witness to his both brutal beating and crucifixion. She helped as Joseph of Arimathea made arrangements for the burial of the body of Jesus. And she, with some others, quickly worked to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. But to observe the Passover, they didn't finish. She went home. The Bible says on the first day of the week, early in the morning, she came. She came to finish what she'd started. And when she, get there, when she got there, Jesus wasn't there. You know why? He's alive. He's alive right now. But Mary didn't know. And she was crying. Jesus had risen from the dead, completely victorious. All of the Bible, it's not a history of the world, it's a love story about how much God loves me and you. And everything before this moment had led up to this time where Jesus raises from the dead. Gilbert, who was reading from Hebrews, and then, sorry, I accidentally started the music too early. <laughs> Hebrews tells us, the verse that he didn't get, get a chance to read is that Christ carried his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies to make a sacrifice eternal in the heavens once for all of us, me and you. That's happening right here. All of history has pointed to this. All of history today stands back and looks at this one offering of the pure, spotless blood of Jesus for me and you. That's what's happening right here, right at this moment. The Bible tells us that angels are present at the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus comes out of the tomb victorious. 
And Mary is crying. Weeping, it says. And here in verse 15, he says, why are you crying? I would imagine one of the angels are like, hey, boss, you're going to see her in just a few minutes. We have to go and carry your blood into the heavenly holy of holies. We've been working on this for a while. God made a promise about this in Genesis chapter 3. This is it. And Jesus pauses the entire plan of redemption because Mary is upset. Why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And Jesus, <laughs> he said, Mary. I love that because Jesus gave her identity. She went from a woman weeping by herself to Mary, named, and then gave her purpose. He said, you go and you tell him, I'm alive. Do you know the first person to preach the resurrection of Jesus was a woman? Mary took the news. Jesus, that's irrational. If you look at it from a human perspective, that doesn't make any sense. But we don't measure things based on the way people think. Because Jesus loves me and you. You matter. Right where you are, no matter what you're going through, if anybody could have said, I'm too busy to deal with this right now, you'll be all right. It would have been him that day in John chapter 20. And he stopped. And he gave her identity and purpose. The last point here, and we'll talk more about this in our grow groups. Jesus loves in community. That's why we do everything in groups, gatherings, and teams. In fact, this prayer of Paul to the church in Ephesus, it, st it so stands out to me. Because if you really want to know the love of Jesus, you're not going to learn it on your own. To know the love of Jesus, we're going to learn it together. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ. That's why here we do everything in groups, gatherings, and teams so that we can all experience the unconditional love of Jesus and grow in that love and take his love to the world around us. Rafi, why don't you come on?
Now, Rafi is going to give us an opportunity to make this practical. And I want, I want you to take what I'm saying as applying to you. This isn't for others. It's for you. He loves you.